Are you ready for the nation's first and only free 24-hour network dedicated to you, the betting and fantasy sports enthusiast? SportsGrid will provide you with real-time content, statistics, and gaming intelligence unlike anything you've ever seen before. Located both in the heart of New York City and inside the FanDuel Sportsbook at the Meadowlands, SportsGrid is live 18 hours a day, here to serve you, the fanatic. This is SportsGrid. Get on the grid. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line, our number two here. We're sort of getting into the baseball spirit. We did our preview of the Baltimore Orioles. We talk about bids to buy the Mets and how they are still valuable, despite the Bernie Madoff scheme. And we bring in our guy, Cam Stewart, here. You know, the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about golf, the PGA, getting his reactions. And we have Cam in again on this episode of the early line. Cam, how you doing? Hanging in there, Dane. I got to tell you something, Dane. It wasn't my best week last week. We had two glorious weeks, but yeah. I'll tell you, man, we fell a little bit short, and that's what happens, right? A lot of guys I didn't have on my leaderboard got things done over the weekend. DeChambeau fell a little bit short. Right. Another top 10, though. Problem is this week, when you're 6-1 to one to win a golf tournament, you got to lay juice to be a top 10. So that, that ship's probably sailed. A lot. This is a very interesting tournament, the Rocket Mortgage at Detroit Country Club. Uh Basically, it's a it's an everybody course again. I, you don't need to be a big ball hitter. It's 7,300 yards. Uh, Nate Lashley won last year at 200 to one. So this is a tournament. I think we can go dog hunting. I don't have anybody on my in my six pack to win this thing above like 30, 35 to one. I'm gonna go trying to catch some uh, pooches in the kennel today because I think a lot of guys in that 40 to 60 to range look real sweet to me. All right, let me ask you, though. You talk about getting a dog. I am a great Dane myself, yeah. so you know I love the dog. Kim, I got to ask you, though. When yeah. you were with us last week, the week before that, wasn't part of your grooming tied to your hot streak in golf? How has that settled itself? Yeah, I got to tell you, Dane, uh, I didn't want to do it. It's just the heat, the humidity. I was sick and tired of, of sleeping with, you know, the, the a, a dead cat or a raccoon on the top of my head. I'm like... You know what? The lady opened for COVID-19. It went from an $8 haircut to 12 I really don't care. She put the tarp on me, and we cut the lettuce off. I just, I wanted to go all the time. I don't know if people grow long hair in the summer to me. Like, I, I get hot all the time. I get hot in an igloo. So you're right, though, Dane. Since I've, <laughs> since I've cut the hair, I've had uh, problems with my plumbing, and a lot of bad things are happening. So we might have to grow it out again, but hopefully in the fall. <laughs> let, it, uh, let it keep going. Before we, we hit the rocket mortgage, I just, I'm curious if there are any uh, takeaways that you had from the travelers, if I'm not mistaken, your guy, Dustin Johnson. And when I say your guy, I mean that obviously facetiously, because I know that you were <laughs> very anti DJ and for good reason, of course. Yeah. But you know, I mean, he is a guy who has a, a good pedigree, right? Like, do you think that that last, did you add any big takeaways from the last weekend's golf outing? I'll tell you something, Kev. Like I actually looked at Dustin Johnson and Justin Thomas when they're both at 81, because when you're taking a guy live betting in golf, you need guys that can go extremely low. I know how good Dustin Johnson is, but his form has been not great. It looked a little bit better last week. I didn't think he can bring it to that level that quickly to really turn it around. And the thing that saved him was his putting. His putting was usually atrocious. He was hitting 20-foot bombs, 25s, par saves. And he didn't play very smart golf. He put one out of bounds on the par five when he had like a four or five shot lead before Streelman was involved. Uh, Brendan Todd basically fell off the face of the earth. He had a triple bogey. And Dustin Johnson almost gave that tournament away. Like, he does not play smart golf. He might have won, but he got very, very lucky with the putter, and he only won by one stroke. Is he amazing? Yes. Does he have the potential to win any type of tournament majors? Yes. But he's still working on that head, Kev. Sometimes he does yeah. really stupid things out there. And with leads, he should have been a lot smarter, hit more hybrids and irons. But he got it done. His putter saved his butt. Hey, Cam, let me ask you, you know, you mentioned that this is like an everybody course, you know, you can keep it in the fairway, get greens in regulation, not have to be the bomber. Uh, that's like always the first question I ask you. I'm looking at a name right now, Cam, that's 16 to 1 that we have brought up before, Hideki Matsuyama. I know you have mentioned that shorter courses could profile for a guy like him. What gave you cause for pause before was that we didn't know if he had been playing. Right. We didn't know if he was in action. Now we're another week or two down. We've picked back up. This is, I believe, the third tournament since the restart. Are guys getting more in the fourth? Okay. Are guys getting more in the flow? Are you more willing to see recent form? I know Matsuyama has now been back out there. 
Here's the thing about Matt Siama. If you like him, you know, uh, on FanDuel and all these other, uh, if you're playing DFS, he won't be highly owned because mm. he's a very expensive price and he hasn't been playing well. Can he show up any week? Yes. I'm going to leave him off my card this okay. week, guys, just for simple reasons. He hasn't looked at like himself. He still strikes the ball off the tee well. His iron game has not been Hideki-like, usually one of the best ball strikers, and his putting has always been a problem. His bunker play, too. I just watched his game. He didn't make a cut in his last start. He's not been sharp. And mm. when you're taking a guy at 16-1, to 1, you want him to be sharp, Dane. I'm sorry. If he shows up this week and gets it done, he's not on my card. He's one of my guys that I, I like in the future. Once I start to see form... And I, I know see. at the Memorial, Jack Nicholas's tournament, he's won that tournament before. If he plays mm. well this week and maybe gets a top 10 or 20, then we could start thinking about Hideki. I just can't put him on yet. He needs to show me something first. Cam, I do have to ask you a little bit about the COVID situation in golf, right? Last we yeah. spoke, we were excited about Brooks Kepka. I was about to hop in the <laughs> car, pick up Dane. We were going to Jersey. Yeah. Yeah. And obviously then things took a left turn. What's the situation like right now? Are they worried about an outbreak or guys are seemingly, you know, in some spots pulling out due to what they're calling an abundance of caution? I got to tell you something. I think they've done a really good job. And I know Cam Champ was the one guy that got COVID-19 because they said he used a fitness facility, not, you know, basically working out with other people. And that's a no-no. So right. what did the commissioner Monaghan and the PGA Tour do? They go, listen, we're bringing the fitness center to you. We're going to have them on site. I can't have you guys going to, you know, super fitness at 24 hours right. a day in the morning and hanging out with people when we're in these tournaments. It's just not going to fly for us. So there's been a couple cases. Chad Campbell backed out. Uh, but I think the PGA Tour is doing a good job, guys, because it's usually it's one guy in the group. You test the group. We've had six cases so far. I think that's under control right now. I'm, I'm a little bit worried, but I, the, the way golf is in comparison to other sports, you come into the facility, you get tested, and now with they, now the fact they're not, not letting you leave, it's kind of like a golfing bubble. Everything's the bubble. there. The hotel, the fitness facility, you know, your family if you're there. I think they really want to get this thing under control. It's been a couple instances and cases, but there hasn't been like seven or eight guys. And let's remember, Kepka's caddy and McDowell's caddy, they got it when they flew to Orlando for a friend's funeral, and all those guys who were on that flight got COVID-19. Cam Champ's the only guy who got it from a fitness center, and we, they've addressed that problem. I got to believe, guys, moving forward, we're going to see, like in all sports, I think we're going to see individual cases, but not big enough to shut down tournaments yet, Kev. Yeah, and to be honest, like, they've already crossed the fork in that road, right, Cam? So. Like, they are going, if you're going to go for it and you're going to put your season on, you have to already, in essence, be willing to stomach the yes. tests that happen. Exactly. You know, you've already kind of made that decision if you're going to go live with this, right? And so, yep. you know, it, it's an inevitability. It's going to happen. And then it's just about how to manage it. And this idea, I'm very intrigued, though, about a golf bubble because they go different places every week, right? And so Kevin and I have been talking about, okay, the NBA bubble, NHL bubble. But baseball and eventually, hopefully, football is going to be home markets and travel and stuff. Maybe they will be able to take a page out of the PGA and understand how to implement a soft bubble in rotating you know geographies week to week or as teams travel so i think there is potential there you mentioned in this tournament though cam rocket mortgage you're going with some of these long shots you don't like my 16 to 1 shot fine <laughs> you say you don't want anything i love hideki you're 40 to 1 i'm no, the president no, no. i'm the president of the hideki matsuya yeah, i'm a fan exactly. club the problem is no one's listening like this guy this, he has that game, he has the potential to be one of the best players in the world like when i'm when they're from a pure ball striking uh player there's good. nobody like him like he's nutting shots from 220 yards with an iron to two feet you know, right. he's, but he misses three foot putts five foot putts bad, bad bunker play not up to par he just doesn't look sharp to me but i'll tell yeah. you he will be on our card very Lit. very soon if i see any positive moves fair enough so if not him you already said you're looking for the great dane dogs out there yeah. <sighs> a couple are in some of this six pack of yours, Cam. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you guys. Uh, this is a guy that I'm getting off of. But now it, we have to talk about. You know, when you're betting value, we throw that V word around value a lot. But now in a weekend field, we're only DeChambeau. Like there's only a couple of the top ten players in the world. A lot of guys are waiting for Jack's tournament. Tony Finau at 33 to one is insane to me. He should be around 20. I know he he's making cuts. He's not playing great. But in a weekend field. And a guy who strikes the ball really, really well, 
All it's going to take is one hot weekend with the putter. That is a great price for a very, very good player. In a weekend field, I love him. But my favorite pick, guys, my favorite pick outright, top six, top 10, top 20, he's going to have lots and lots. In my portfolio, he is everywhere. Kevin, nah, 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 nah. Kevin, nah. He's my guy this week. Kevin, nah. Kevin Na is 38 to one on FanDuel. That is an amazing price. He finished top five last week. What does Kevin Na do well? Everything you need to do well at the Rocket Mortgage hits the ball straight usually, but the key to his game, short irons, and he's one of the best putters on tour. Top 10 in a lot of categories, guys. Kevin Mm. Na at this tournament, not a long course. Guy keeps it in play. He'll give you nice little wedges and hitting putts. He is the perfect type of player for this type of course at 38 to 1 and trending in the right direction, mind you. He's been playing a lot better. Kevin Na at that price is absolutely fantastic. I liked him. I probably would have taken him as low as 25 to 1. He's 38 to 1. Give me Kevin Na. I think he can win this tournament. I definitely love him for a top 10, fellas. Let me ask you um, about the defending champion. This is for someone like myself, right, who... Nate Lashley? Yeah, <laughs> Nate Lashley. Well, that's the thing. I see I see the defending champion at 150 to 1. Yes. And me being like, you know, very recreational when it comes to, to golf wagering, I'm like, defending champs, 150 to 1. How do I not? But maybe it's because that was a flash in the pan. Do you ever find yourself going back to the defending champion? And, and in this instance, could it be worth a dollar? Yeah, it's a great question, Kev. In, in golf, it's hard to go back to back. But let's mm. take a look at what's happened this year. Daniel Berger won and almost won again. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you go back? You know what I mean? And, and some guys are horses for courses. Nate Lashley right now has no form. Uh, he hasn't been playing, but some guys, it's just, wow, I'm back in Detroit. I love this course. I love the people here. He might feel good about it. I'm not doing it, but I have no problem with that. And here's another guy I want to talk about. There is a guy, Brendan Todd. He was with Dustin Johnson last week yes. and collapsed on Sunday. He is not known for collapsing, but let me tell you guys, to Kevin, to your point, He had a three-week run last year, basically, oh, sorry, this calendar year, but I consider it last year, win, win, second. Win, Mm. win, second. That is impressive. So what happened on Sunday? Didn't play great. Also probably intimidated. You're playing with Dustin Johnson, who outdrives you by 60 yards off the tee. Brendan Todd hits at 220. He's what, like 225th on tour in distance, but iron play, top 10, putting very good. I am coming back to him. I'm not getting off that horse that got bucked on Sunday. I'm going to get right back on it and hopefully ride and stay on this time. You're giving me Brendan Todd on a a streaky player that just had one bad round at 70 to one on a course like this. Sign me up, Kevin Walsh. Sometimes in golf, we got to, you know, ride a guy out for a couple weeks. With Lashley, though, I, 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 it was kind of a fluke in the pan, a flash in the pan. He also had a lot of uh, a really nice story last year, like family members sick. It all kind of came together for him. It was just one of those magical runs. I don't see him doing it again. All right, fair enough. Hey, Cam, your boy Kevin Nah, top 10, plus 430. That's what oh, happens if you're 38 God, to 1, right, to win it all. Top 10, I'm- plus 430. Here's what's going to happen. I'm about to take a break, okay, so that I can get that bet in. I advise all of you to do the same. When we come back, you know, Cam, I want to ask you, we had George Kurtz on previously. I'm hearing stuff about the NHL draft. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line on Sports Grid. We're going three wide here with our friend Cam Stewart. Cam, you know, you're saying you like some dogs in this one. You're not going with certain guys. You want to have some bombs. Tell me, what's the six-pack looking like? Well, it's, oh, yeah, it's nice and hot, Dane. Crack open a six-pack, nice buddy. Hot. PGA, I want PGA it cold. Roll, roll. Roll. I don't want it hot. I want it cold. Oh, you're running cold. Oh, let's get hot. Let's get hot. I tell you, I'll get six uh, six icy cold ones for you. We're going to start things off with Tony Finau at 33-1. to 1. He's my premium brew right now. And Kevin Nas, my favorite member of my six-pack at 38-1. to 1. Now we're going to South Africa for a couple guys that people might know about, but I'll tell you about Eric Von Royen. Don't mind the tight pants. He's a great golfer, 60-1. to 1. If 
you could pronounce Christian Bezoutenhout, you're a better man than me. But his name is Christian Bezoutenhout. He is 60 to 1. Just look for the very long last name that might not fit on a hockey jersey. Watch out for this guy. Great player on the European tour. Has the game for this course. Brendan Todd. I'm going back to a guy that fell off the horse on Sunday. He is too good to ignore at that price. And then we're heading to Spain. I have a, a varied palette. We have some American players and some Spanish, some South Africans. Ooh. Rafa Cabrera Bale at 75 to 1 is trending in the right direction. Other guys for DFS that I didn't bet, but I love Victor Hovland and Brent, Brent Snedeker. I wish I could get Snedeker at a better price, but he will play well this week. Quickly, top, tw top 20s on FanDuel. Lanto Griffin for a top 20 trending plus 430. Not even a top 10, guys, a plus uh, top 20. Brian Stewart, not Stewart like me, Stewart with a D mm. from the Detroit area, always plays well, even though without fans, he'll have friends and family support top 20 plus 380 for Brian Stewart. Soon you'll know if we're going to cash in right now. Two years of army service in Korea. Watch out for this kid. He's back and playing golf. Played great last week, plus 650 for a top 20. And Patton Kazire in good form for to top 20 at the Rocket Mortgage, plus 450. 30. Those are the guys. And these guys are all bombs. 100 to 1, 100 to 1, and two 150s. <laughs> Load it up. I absolutely love it. Uh, incredible stuff, as always, uh, for golf. I want to talk to you a little bit, though, about hockey, Cam, because oh, we yes. had the pleasure of being joined by George Kurtz yesterday. <laughs> yeah. and, and, we... and the first pick goes to... Cam, <laughs> what? What? Yeah, it's Why? <laughs> what were they doing? Uh, yeah, well, we have this play-in tournament, so basically one of the teams in the play-in tournament is going to get the first pick. They don't know who it's going to be, who's going to get kicked out, but there's things that we laugh, like we, me and Gabe always joke around, hey, they're at the strip club making the, making the schedule, hey, I want another scotch, Tommy, how about the Leafs play the Canadians for the ninth time, first two weeks into the season? They do a lot of dumb things. I think they're being very careful about COVID, but this is just a bad look, have, not having the top pick even there so think about this we're going to play the tournament the Edmonton Oilers could get another top draft pick I have no idea what they're doing and you know it's one of the playing teams that's going to get it but very odd that Ottawa didn't get it Detroit they were the favorite with the percentages at 18.5 it's just a bad look for the league I really like what they're trying to do though with the hub cities and they're scared about COVID they want to start this thing and not shut it down but to the casual fan Kevin I know like you're more than a casual fan your dad's a big flyer fan but it yeah. comes across as amateur night when it's like the first pick goes to question mark you know it just looks bad but yeah. Anyway, I don't know what these guys are doing. Well, the, the one the, the one thing that is interesting to me is you can bet who's going to be awarded the first pick over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Mm. And if I've got this down correct, the teams that lose will all have the same 12.5% chance to win. Yes. But the odds here, of course, the FanDuel Sportsbook vary based on the likelihood that you're going to get out of the first round. I'm curious if, you know, if you, let's just say, think, you know, maybe a team like the Vancouver Canucks are going to get upset, and I'm just picking a team here. Yeah, They're 15-1 to 1 to be awarded the first overall pick, right? So would you even remotely say, the, whoever I think the best team is that's going to get eliminated, I'll take a chance on them winning the first pick, or is it way too much of a crapshoot to even be involved with? I think it's too much of a crapshoot. Vancouver's a team, though, I think are very, very good, and I'm not sure if they're going to get knocked out in the first round. But you bring up an interesting point, Kev. Like, what about Montreal? That's another team. You know, they're playing in this tournament, Carey Price. The, he's the key to their team. He's like, do I really want to go there? I got a family, my wife, COVID-19. But I will say this, it is throwing darts because we don't know who it's going to be. But you could you could take a chance. I'm just not really into that. I've already had bets. I told you I have Colorado at 15 to 1. In the new format, they're like under 5 to 1. These are things that we've done. I don't know how these teams are going to react. I will tell you one thing. Once they're in the hub cities and bubbles, I think they're going to be fresh. And the one thing about hockey is it's a war of attrition. Uh, usually the last team standing who doesn't have broken legs and, you know, missing teeth and all sorts of stuff wins because they just keep it together. It's going to be interesting when you have fresh teams throughout this thing battle in this tournament. It is going to be absolutely fast, fast, fast hockey. And uh, it's going to be interesting, guys. I'll tell you, as I said before, Kev, watch out for those teams that are sleepers like the Leafs who didn't play well in the first half. This is a second chance for them, and I think they're not going to screw around with that second chance for a team that almost didn't make the playoffs. It's almost like they have a new life. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Gains on mute. 
Oh, he is. I am, but that is <laughs> okay. <we> um, because, <laughs> listen, I should have said, oh, yeah, just put money on the Edmonton Oilers to, <laughs> yes. to, to, to get another first draft pick. Absolutely. You know, the idea of the clean slate, you know, kind of a yeah. second season. We'll see who can kind of uh, take advantage of that. I do want to switch gears, though, to baseball. Here at the early line, yes. Cam, really excited, right? We're getting excited, you know, spring training 2.0. And I referenced in the other segment that we have a holiday, okay? And it was yesterday, Cam. Do you know that July 1st is Bobby Bonilla Day, Cam? Bobby oh, Canada, it's Canada Day, too. There you go. <laughs> I don't know if that means everybody in Canada Bobby got paid $1.9 million. And if you're getting a stimulus package this year and every year until 2035, it made me wonder, you know, like, what a contract, huh? And it comes off of probably like the Bernie Madoff aspect that the Mets yep. had, and they had to kind of stretch the money along. They thought it was just the interest on their on their fortune, <laughs> but no, right? So let me ask you this. Like, can you think of a better cushy life right now than Bobby Bo waking up another 1.2 in his? And like, would you opt for that? Would you yeah. spread it out for years, or would you take the lump sum, Cam? Ah, it's a good question, Dane. I, I kind of like spreading it out for years when you get into a, a jam, but who knows about your health? But I got to hand it to Bobby Bonilla. You just, it's like we have a lottery, cash for life, where you just keep on getting paid like every month for the rest of your life. It sounds wonderful. And look at basketball with Darren Williams. Remember that contract too? That was very similar to Bobby Bonilla day too, where uh, the Nets are basically paying that thing off. It's like, oh my God, this it's unbelievable stuff. Uh, yeah, you got to hand it to a guy that's not playing and continue to get paid. But yeah, we went over the numbers too with with Kurtz, uh, Dane. And it's interesting. All these hype teams that I like are all at 31 and a half. Like I'm, yes. a, White Sox, I'm a White Sox guy. I'm a Cincinnati guy. Know what the problem? I love the, the Cincinnati pitching with Castillo and yeah. they got so many good bats. And this could be year they take, take, take it up a notch. But you know what the problem is? The books already have the number baked that's in. Right. I'm not getting 27 and a half. That's I got to right. lay 31 and a half. That's a problem. Yeah, we talked about this yesterday, Cam, uh, when Kevin and I looked at the win totals. If you back out, like, just the Orioles and the and the Tigers on the bottom side yep. and just the Dodgers and the Yankees on the high side, everybody is between 24 and, like, 34 wins, yep. okay? And now here's the NL East, for example, with four potential contenders are split between two games. I think the Braves and the Nats are 33 and a half. The Phillies are 31. The Mets are 32. It's so quick. And the way we thought about it is, imagine the trading deadline, Cam, halfway through the season. If I take a 24 win total, right, through half the season, that's like 12 and 18. The 34 win total is like, what, 17 and 13. Who uh, is going to be a seller if you're only four or five games back of a wild card spot? Exactly. We're not going to see trades, guys. And, and I don't think any of those teams other than Baltimore can get off that cold. We talk about it on the show, like, what do you do, Dane, with a team like the Detroit Tigers? I know they're not good, right. but their they're win total is 21 and a half. Yeah. Kevin and I talked about it. Like, in that division, mm -hmm. I kind of yep. got to go over there. I know they, they still yep. have to play the games. I talked to Kurtz. He's like, ah, you know, maybe they're going to lose. You can't tell me. If me, you, and Walsh were on a team and, and management <laughs> go, well, you know what, guys, maybe let's just lose. No, I, I, I don't buy into that theory right. as a professional player that the I'm just going to go always tank. trying to win. It's no, being yeah, no. appeared in a we're different players. way. We want to win the damn game. And, and I think winning 22 games in this 60-game format, even for a team like the Tigers in a weak division where I only think that the, the Twins are the best team, I think it's worth a shot, guys, but it's hard, man. The one team, you got to take probably the over with the Dodgers. They're so damn deep. Like, even yeah. when you do the mathematics, like, how do I bet against these guys? How yeah. do I take an under? It almost seems impossible. And your Yankees, guys, you guys are getting a lot of guys back, right? But yeah, we I worry about the about injuries. That. I worry we about the injuries. About that. Go ahead, Kev, sorry. I, I, I think that's the, the biggest thing, right, is trying to figure out how much one injury, because over 162-game season, sure, right? But yeah. you miss a guy, all of a sudden he's gone half the year. Like, those are the kind of things that I think are so crazy. And I'll, I'll, tell, I'll throw you one thing, Cam. I don't know how much you've looked maybe at, like, the futures markets for player awards in the MLB, right? But they're going to give out the MVP. They're going to give it to Cy yes, Young. Yes, they are. Look, I think Mike Trout's the best player in the world, right? And I really won't hear much of an argument yeah. against it. I actually remember, Cam, one night me and you were arguing against Wetzel, who thinks he's basically a replacement-level player, because <laughs> of course he does, right? But, like, the thing is, I can't get only plus 135 for Mike Trout to that's an horrible. MVP. That's, that's not you want the value crazy. answer, guys? I have the value answer. Because if anybody that's not Mike Trout, season, right? It's only a 60 game season. If yeah. I can get 
Giancarlo Stanton healthy for 60 games and he can hit 32 home runs for these Yankees. He's at 30 to one, right? There's the condensed value in there, Cam. I'm on the Angels, okay? I think when you got Trout and Rendon, you got Joe Madden there as the new manager and you're going to have Shohei Otani potentially back healthy, right? Guys like Justin Upton can be streaky as hell. I yeah. kind of think the Angels are a good little variance team to me in a I 60 game set. I agree, agree with you 100%, Dane. It's like one of the first teams I looked at. I'm like, oh, Otani can still yeah. pitch nine games if he stays healthy, too, right? Six games. But what you about know? the rest of the pitching staff? Other than, like, you got Heaney. There's some real guys. Like, what are they going to be able to do there? They signed Julio Tehran. I don't love Bundy, but as my four, I'll take it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just saying, though, and Joe Madden, the yeah, Tampa Bay Rays and, and Cash. New Joe Madden. New Joe Madden. Yeah, and, and the thing is, is aren't they going to use? Aren't they going to use bullpen guys? Like Joe yeah. Madden's one of those guys who thinks outside the box. Like, it's working. Yeah. It's it's working. It's working for the Rays. My four. I used to manage this team. What about Cam yeah. Bedrosi and all these yeah. other guys they have in the pen? Sure. You throw these guys out there. That's the thing. But when I look at the Angels bats. I'm like, I'm very interested. The only question I have for not hammering the over is the pitching, but Madden should come up with some concepts. You got to believe. Yeah, 100%. I'll quickly ask you, Cam, we got less than a minute here. Yeah. We're about to talk about the Boston Red Sox. Do you think that the cheating scandal at all will loom over this team in what is a completely unique setting? No, I don't. Yeah. I, I, you know what? The Astros aren't even getting their comeuppance because, because of COVID-19. Like, you guys side. as Yankee fans, you wanted to, like, be in a couple of I guys. I want to bang like... on trash cans. <laughs> Kim, <laughs> I found on Amazon, <laughs> on Amazon, you can get dozens of joke buzzers for, like, yes. $10. I was going to stand outside the stadium passing them to fans with a label on it, like, Altuve in the on-deck circle. Can you imagine if hundreds of joke handshake buzzers rained down on Altuve in the, in the damn on-deck circle in every park he went to but now that ain't even gonna happen the exactly. Astros get all got free thanks for spending a couple of minutes with us cam we'll have you back next weekend because listen i don't want that hair to grow i want you to still hit <laughs> these things all right have fun we'll see you next week sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com you're watching sports grid Agree. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line on Sports Grade. Kevin and I, we continue our tour days right now. One baseball team ain't enough for an episode of the early line. We stay in the AL East. We're going almost like alphabetical here. And then we go to Boston with the Red Sox. Kev, you know, first of all, let me put my disclaimer out here. I am a Yankee fan. I have been forcibly removed from Fenway Park before in my lifetime. But that was when, you know, in my younger days, let's just say that. Um, Kev, even though objectively, I don't know how you can make the arguments that the Red Sox got any better this year in the offseason, right? That's what we talk about first in the offseason. And I don't think there's many new names that ring the bell, but I know they lost Mookie Betts. I know they lost David Price, who, by the way, we continue to tip our cap. He's paying the Dodgers minor league farm system, for goodness sakes. Yeah. And, you know, they also lost to injury Chris Sale. You know, when it was the idea that we were going to take this break. He was like, oh, I'll take the opportunity to go under the knife. So no sale, no price, two of their stud starting pitchers, no Mookie Betts, who like over in the National League is now an MVP candidate. Like, I understand they got some guys back in the trade, young kids, what have you, Verdugo and the like. But this team has to be pointing in the wrong direction, right? Yes. And it's okay to say. The thing is, right, look, I know the, we're Yankee fans, and it's okay to say the Red Sox are set up for a down year. They finished third last year. If you take their 84 wins and do the math, it was a 31 season in terms of 60 games. Right. Uh, last year, let me see what they were in that 60-game window. Did they win 31 of those games as well? I think it was something – Along right those there, lines, huh? right? Like, they, yeah, they were 31 and 29 through 60 games last year. Like, 
that's so their win total right now of 30 and a half at the FanDuel Sportsbook, by the way, has been bet down. A lot like, are they going to go 500 or not? People have been hitting the under on this team, and that's why this number, I think at one point, might have even been 32 and a half. It certainly was 31 and a half, and it's been continuously bet down. People are fading the Red Sox. And the thing is, you have listed there's a number of reasons, and you can start wherever you want, right? Mookie Betts, though, let's just start there. Sure. <laughs> He's one of the five best players in baseball, maybe? Probably. And the Red Sox have been saying that for years. The amount of times I've had a Red Sox fan tell me that Mookie Betts is just as good, if not better, than Mike Trout, don't all of a sudden now tell me that that's not the case. You don't get the right to chew my ear off that I have to pretend that somebody is is as good as Mike Trout, and now you're going to tell me that you're going to be just fine without him. He's led this team in war consistently, and that matters. I believe he's led baseball in runs scored consecutive seasons. Right. He's one of the best players in the game that instantly makes your team worse. And then you got rid of David Price for his contract situation. Long-term, that's great. We're talking short-term. We also had Rick Porcello walk in free agency pretty much heading into the year in March. Read a team preview for the Boston Red Sox that does not say that Chris Sale's health determines whether they have a chance or not. That was, and then what happened? He is... The health is that that's decided here. Like the Red Sox are not the Red Sox, and they're going through a lot of changes. New management at the top. Alex Cora is off the bench, and it's now it's Ron Ranecki. There's a lot of changes for this baseball team. It's not a biased thing. It's objectively (laughs) we can all see this. This team has lost a lot of what made them the World Series champions. Yeah. Just two years ago. Yeah, absolutely. I think the offense does take a hit. I'll get into that a little bit more in a second. I listen for me when I'm and and I will put my disclaimer out there. Okay, when I look at teams right in this way to see if they're going to be a contender or not, I'm going to tell you something. Right now in baseball, offense is everywhere. Okay, Kev, you know what I mean. Everyone's hitting home runs. Literally, the totals of games, the default has gone up from six and a half to seven and a half. Offense is nice. But pitching is what wins. It's almost like the good old defense wins championships moniker. So I'm going to tell you right now, the first thing I look at with every team to assess if they could be a true contender are who are their top three starting pitchers, right? Do they have studs up there? Let me tell you who is expected to be the five-man rotation for this Boston Red Sox. Remember, no Chris Sale. No David Price. And I know Price was up and down and a little bit as well. But, you know, he he has the stuff. We know he can be done. Okay. We're talking about Eduardo Rodriguez, followed by Nathan Eovaldi, followed by Martin Perez, Ryan Weber, and Colin McHugh. That does not inspire me. And when I line up those five up against other teams, what they can run out, they are not going to have a decided advantage on the mound anywhere. Their ace... Pales in comparison to other aces. They're number two, the same to other number twos. I think their rotation, and then also when you look at their bullpen, guys like Brandon Workman going to be their closer. I don't know that their pitching will be able to hold up here, Kev. Yeah, so the thing is, right, Nathan Avaldi. remember like Nathan Avaldi was one of the heroes of the World Series. Yeah. But avaldi has been battling some injuries for them. And that was he in like a relief role almost too, you know? Yeah, it certainly was, but... You know, Avaldi's been battling some injuries, and it's going to be, you know, will he be able to stay healthy for this 60-game stretch? It's a que- it's a fair question. Colin McHugh has some injury concerns that he's yep. going to already be working through. And Eduardo Rodriguez, who is now their number one guy with a bullet, is coming off of a career season. You do want to see how, you know, realistic that's going to be. And the biggest thing is, though, Dane, right? Yeah. You can't argue that they're going to get carried by their offense to win a division. And here's why I say that. One, they lost Mookie Betts. That's right. But also, they had the fourth most run scored in baseball last year. And they were still only an 84-win baseball team. Mm. So right. I would argue they to you— They maintain their above-average offense, and that don't mean they're going to finish 500. I, this team is certainly a top-10 offense in baseball. Sure. It has to be. We're going to talk about these guys. Yeah. Devers. Are you kidding me? Yeah, Jake yeah, Martinez. Yeah. Xander Bogart. These are yeah. all-stars. Okay? Yeah. But— 
you're fourth in run scored last year. Mookie Betts leads the league in run scored. It's what he does, right? He's now gone. So your offense is going to come back a bit. Yep. But your rotation's a mess. So when you finish, you know, let's say eighth in run scored. Right. But, you're, but you're, your pitching is even worse. This is where it sets up for things to get really ugly. And I have to say, when you look at them making changes at the top, this is kind of a an ebbs and flows that the Red Sox will go through where they'll be really good and then they'll bottom out quick. They'll figure it out. They're supposed to have a ton of money next year, right? That's part of the reason why they got rid of David Price. Right. They didn't pay Mookie Betts and that freaks them up. <laughs> They've got young pieces they're excited about. Yeah. But let me just give you something to maybe put this a little bit into perspective. Last season was the first time since 2011 the Red Sox did not finish either first or last in the American League East. Huh. Three different oh, times when they didn't finish in first, they finished last. Last year, they finished third, and that third place finish again put them on pace for a 31-win season. I know it's going to be difficult for me to tell you that this Boston Red Sox team is going to come dead last in this division. Well, but, if, but if they got right, with the Red, well, I get that, right? Now, if but them finishing fourth behind, you know, the, whether Toronto. it be the Blue Jays, who we'll likely talk about tomorrow, it's in play. And I will also, you know, you, we're trying to figure out how much the schedule matters. And, you know, maybe at some point, I will say I'm getting a little concerned that we've not got a baseball schedule yet because mm-hmm. I think that they're trying to figure out what still to trying do. trying to figure it out, yeah. All those hot spots, and I think it's probably thrown a wrench into their plan. Yeah. That's fair. But – them being matched up with, with an NL East that has a lot of good staffs, right? Matt's still got some great arms. Of course, we know what the Nationals are going to be bringing to mm-hmm. the table, right? You know, praise or no slouch. Like, this team is going to find themselves at a pitching disadvantage regularly. That's so right. They're, they're going to have to score, you know, seven runs to win That's games. That's right. A sustainable model. Now, I will tell you this, you know, because you look at some people with, the, with those projections. Maybe that 30-and-a-half number, you've lost a little bit of the closing value, and 31-and-a-half would have been a big difference maker, yeah. and I think that's fair to say. But I'm also not ruling out this this Boston team actually being one of those sellers and maybe you know only finding themselves winning 24-25 baseball right. games as they look to reset and retool in a 60-game window. Yeah, that's really interesting. Just so you have the numbers, and Kevin has alluded to some of them, their win total over 60 games at the FanDuel Sportsbook is 30 and a half. They are the third choice to win the AL East at 12 to 1. It doesn't sound like you'd fish in this pond, Kev, but to win the American League, they are 22 to 1. And remember, we thought there might have been like eight teams in the playoffs, right? You know what I mean? And now we know it's only 10, so five in each league. There was a time, Kevin, where we thought there were going to be 16 teams in the playoffs, eight from each league. Then Boston may have been viable as a playoff team. I don't think they are. They are behind teams that I like better, like the Los Angeles Angels, like the Chicago White Sox, who Cam and others have been talking about, behind teams like Cleveland, Oakland, and Tampa, who we will talk about a little bit tomorrow in our reset. How are you betting this, though? Over, under? Well, the thing is, I think this is the team that made me realize how unfortunate it is that we're not getting the expanded playoffs. Oh, the playoffs, yeah. Because it would have been, you know, obviously it would have been exciting. They would have been a fringe contender in that, yeah. If we would have got expanded playoffs, eventually I think then we would have got yes-no playoff bets at the FanDuel Sportsbook. And, you know, there's usually, so eight teams would have made it from the American League, but they might throw you maybe nine with a minus price to make the playoffs. And the Red Sox do have the ninth best odds at the FanDuel Sportsbook to win the American League. So we actually might have got a plus number on Boston to miss the playoffs. And I would have mm-hmm. really liked that. That would oh, have been yeah. something that I would have been interested in for sure. I would have hammered that as well. You mentioned the idea of like where the Red Sox are in their cycle, right? And how they have these stars they don't may not want to commit money to or figure out how they allocate their finances. You know, yeah. what's interesting to me, Kev, you talk about them being a potential seller if it goes off the rails. And they've got a couple of guys that I think could be 
prime targets for someone who wants to buy. The name J.D. Martinez comes to mind as a big power bat with salary that could be offloaded. We'll talk about that. We'll talk a little bit more about the players that are involved here. We'll find the diamond. We'll find the Fugazi. And the other thing I want to ask you, Kev, you talked about the Astros with a scandal. The Red Sox... We'll have a different manager than we would have thought three months ago. We want to talk about that impact as well when we come back right here on the early line. We're over here putting the edge. Sports Grid, come on back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody. The early line here on Sports Grid, giving you the edge. We're talking about the Boston Red Sox, who are a fade for me. Okay, I don't think they got better. I think the Yankees and the Rays are two playoff caliber teams in that division. And Kev, you're playing your division a ton. That means a lot of games against the Yankees and the Rays. You even talked about it. Their kind of mirror division, the NL East, is one that we know has four legitimate playoff contenders. So I think the new schedule specifically hurts a team like the Red Sox because we're there. You know, schedule is going to be filled with a lot of AL Central and AL West. It now has NL East in it, and NL East, I think, is better than AL Central. You know what I mean? So I think their strength of schedule got more difficult because of this reorganization. They were fade for me. Yeah, and for me as well, I do think, you know, because you try to be very careful with the bets that you make when it comes to win totals, as much as you might think in a, you know, 60-game sample size, what's the difference between a win? It could be the difference between a winning and a losing bet. That 30-and-a-half over is sat at minus 125. Maybe a little bit of Red Sox money can come in and push that number back to 31-and-a-half. You might have to lay juice again to get under that 31-and-a-half, but I think you might be a little bit more comfortable. And we'll be int- I'll be trying to keep tabs on if they throw a yes-no playoff bet out there. Yeah. It will be considerable juice probably for the no, but if it's below, if it's anywhere maybe from 200 or less, minus 200 or less for them to miss the playoffs, I think I'd heavily consider. Yeah. I, I think I'd heavily consider that, especially when they are right now, right? For most people, at best, third in their division with no expanded playoffs. Yeah, I agree with that. And here's another kind of, you know, bullet in your chamber if you want, Kev. They have inconsistency at the managerial position. Remember, Alex Cora was their manager. Alex Cora was involved in the cheating scandal with Houston. He then moved over to Boston. And what do you know? The Red Sox win the World Series as well. He was, you know, kind of suspended. It went in under the cover of night, right, in a kind of news dump under the pandemic. What do you think is the impact of... You know, two things. One, an interim kind of manager there. And two, listen, it has been determined that the Red Sox were cheating. So in the same way we talk about with the Astros, what's the regression offensively? It's fair to ask the same thing about Boston. Yeah, I'm not sure. You know, and the, and the Boston stuff, right, I think it had more to do with these Apple watches and, and all this different yeah. stuff. Here's the thing with Cora, though, right, is Cora's suspension comes from the Astros situation yes. and not from what happened in Boston. So the idea of Boston wanting him back isn't as crazy, right, as maybe, yeah. say, an A.J. Hinch being brought sure. back. Cora serving a one-year suspension. And I, it actually was noted that they don't have to play games for that suspension to stand. Yes, Whenever the true. next season starts, Cora can come He's back. Clear. And Ronecki is at the end of his deal, right? He was interim head coach, and now obviously he's going to be the manager for this ball club. But they might not be all that interested in Ronecki. And again, there's new... There's change that's been made at upper management. That's why, to me, all of this seems like a trial season. It's mm-hmm. not Baltimore Orioles' level of a trial season. I because hear you. Baltimore Orioles don't have anybody. That's Rafael Devers, J.D. Martinez, Andrew yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't have anything like that, right? But it's them saying, does Renecki work? Mm, I'm not sure. Do we think Correa would have been the difference? Mm, let's figure it out, right? And then what are we doing with pieces one, two, three, four, five? Like, and that's right. what's going to be, I think, the main focus for this ball club. So Cora's absence to me stands out less from a like making the right decision standpoint and more in a way that it speaks to the nature of this season 
where it is not a Red Sox team to me that is constructed to go out there and look to be the best team in baseball the way that they were just two years ago. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's why I introduced the idea of the selling piece as well. If they want to fully kind of retool and what could be seen as a kick the can down the road, uh, like, you know, a uh, pause kind of year in purgatory for the Boston Red Sox. You keep bringing up three names on the offensive side, though, Kevin. I think it's interesting. Let's look at them for fantasy purposes. You know, Raphael Devers. Some people think could be that huge breakout, right? A la young kid who has a phenomenal sophomore or third season, like a Juan Soto kind of breakout. His ADP right now is 22 overall at third base. You talk about J.D. Martinez in the outfield, which is obviously a little bit more stacked. His ADP is going at around 28. And then there's Xander Bogarts at the shortstop position at ADP overall of 37. Who do you think of those three? It seems like you think they're the pillars of the Reds. Sox offense and lineup who of those three are you expecting the most from who you think can kind of overperform what maybe some of their projections or their ADP this year what I think is really interesting is for the group of them yeah is how Mookie Betts's absence could potentially impact them right like Rafael Devers went out there 115 RBIs now instead of Mookie in front of him right it might be Andrew Benintendi who right. last year had some pretty considerable regression, right? Yeah. Now, and again, we're still expecting a lot from this offense as a whole, right? And Xander Bogarts had 117 RBIs, and then J.D. Martinez with his 105 RBIs. But again, Mookie Betts was 135 runs scored. Like, yeah. that's, you know what I mean? Like, Mookie, like, you can't have these conversations without bringing up Mookie's name. And it, to me, though, I have started to wonder if, you know, because these guys feel like they're right in that same. Like, do you think any of these guys would be higher if Mookie Betts was on the team? Because it almost feels like they're maybe about in. You're line. talking about just like in the RBI total, thinking that Betts is on base more. Is that what you're kind of like more ribeyes and ducks on the pond? Because no, I, I think they can move. They could play around with their lineup in ways where they still have that. You know, you put Bogarts yeah. up high. You put Bradley Jr. up high. A lot of times he hit nine. He could hit one. And then there's another guy out here, by the way, that is, I think, intriguing. It's the piece they got back in the Mookie Betts deal, Alex Verdugo. Right. This is a blue-chip prospect, Kev, okay, to add to these young kids. Could he be inserted right there in the top of the lineup and be the guy that, you know, Devers and J.D. are banging in? Yeah, so for me, I like Verdugo is the guy I want, and it's it's funny how it works, right? But a lot of Red Sox fans are probably not that excited about Verdugo, and you do understand it, right? Like if I told you that Giannis, if I told Bucks fans that Giannis is gone, but you've got Jalen Brown, right? You wouldn't yeah. appreciate Jalen Brown because you just lost right. to Giannis. But Jalen Brown is still a pretty good player, right? Right. And it, now is Verdugo good enough to even be? Jalen Brown is a pretty good player, but if Verdugo is that good, that's very valuable. And this is a guy that hit a shade, just a shade under 300 last year, has some decent power. And Dane, he fits into the category that we actually talked about in our number one of guys that benefited from this pushed back start. He was going to miss the beginning of the season. And right. that's a, that is a bit dangerous, right? Because not that he would have, he would, they would have, he would have fallen out of favor. But it's just like if a guy gets hot, maybe it's a little bit hard for him to break through. They start to be a, a little bit more cautious. With him, like those are all things that you know we've seen happen, right? With with yeah. guys, and it's just a normal thing. He also battled an oblique injury last year, and you could tell that his numbers they were much better pre-injury than post. So the fact that Verdugo is going to come out there fully healthy, if he is able to usurp that coveted to me like spot where you exist around Devers, Bogarts, and Martinez right. that Benintendi might have then Verdugo is one of the best values probably in all of fantasy. And I also think there's something to be said, right? He, he is one of those guys, you listen to him talk, right? He's like, look, man, everybody out here is a good player, but it's about work. It's about like that mm -hmm. dog in you. It's about going out there and putting it forth. And you have to think he has a mountain of a chip on his shoulder, yeah. knowing that the fan base he was traded to, and again, with some good reason, are not all that excited to see him end up on their baseball team because of what it means. I'm excited. I am ex excited about Verdugo as much as then give it 
10 games and I'm going to hate this guy, right? Because that's what's supposed to happen. Right. But I think that Verdugo can go out there and be a really nice value. Little diamond in the rough potential for Alex Verdugo. So says my guy, Kevin Walsh. And you know what? I don't disagree, right? He's coming off the injury. You mentioned that. And we've talked about, in general, the idea of some of these young kids can get out hot early on. Right. And before the league adjusts to them now, Alex Verdugo, this is a new league for him. They haven't seen him and he's going to be, you know, if I had to guess right now, I think he's hitting like sixth in this lineup, you know, or something like that. And that's a good spot to be in what you've already described as one of the probably the top five offenses, uh, certainly in the American League, maybe in all of Major League Baseball. When we talk about fantasy football, Kev, we say it's skill plus opportunity, right? Well, the skill we we kind of believe in because he was a highly rated prospect. He has performed in limited stretches, but the opportunity is immense. You know, in the same way, Kev, in our number one, we were like, we don't want any of these Orioles because of the opportunity. And then you were like, wait, there's still some guys who have some skill. I'll take a flyer on. Here, the opportunity is immense, right? And so if you have the skill, yes, you could get plugged on in. My question for you now, Kev, is there any Red Sox pitchers that you would want to have, like, you know, is it a reliever even? A guy like Workman, because we've talked about closers are probably going to keep their jobs more, and this is a team where the win total is right around 500. He should have saved chances. Uh, the steamer projects him for in 60 games to save, like, 11 games. That's still viable. Or do you believe in a kid like Eduardo Rodriguez? Do you believe in a bounce back from a guy like Colin McHugh? Are there any pitchers you'd be taking a stab at? Yeah, Brendan Workman is is the guy that most people are excited about last year. He he had a really, really nice season. He ended up with 16 saves. The ERA was under a two. And he certainly earned this job, right? He had a 10-1 yeah. record last year. Like, if Brandon Workman can, you know, have what he did last year be his normal, then he's a great value because he was wonderful for this baseball team. I'll say if Brandon Workman is not at that level, <laughs> they, they just remain in more and more and more trouble because of the state of the, you know, again, the pitching staff. I'll say this though. I do think Brandon Workman could be one of those guys that fits the description of a guy that got moved to the deadline. If they are selling. Yes. And again, I think all of the points that you've made about how close these teams are going to be is of incredibly well stated. Even cam has said, right. Like it's unlikely that we get a bunch of trades there's so much going on. Like you're going to trade someone during a pandemic. It is a bit wild. But the trade deadline is just such a thing in baseball that I'm going to still think that there's going to be some movement. And maybe Brandon Workman fits that description. But if he does, that also means that he's been good. So if I were to try and own a pitcher from this staff, it probably would be Workman. All right, I think Workman is a good option. I think, you know, their ace, who I believe is going to be Eduardo Rodriguez, is also viable in that vein. But, you know, it is going to be a very interesting season for the Boston Red Sox. The thing is, like, we don't know where they are in that cycle. Well, that is our two-a-days for another episode here of the early line tomorrow. We'll stay in the AL East. Today we did the B teams. Tomorrow we'll do the T teams, the Toronto Blue Jays and the Tampa Bay Rays. Toronto is very, very interesting to me. We talk about young kids who could get out of the heat, get out of the gate quick, and also... They just make me feel old, Kevin, with all those juniors (laughs) on their roster. But that'll about do it for us. The morning after is up next. We'll see you guys tomorrow. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.